Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Cosmographia, episode 7. Cosmographia, the Greek Romans, Egyptians, and us as a podcast that is streamed fortnightly through various worldwide platforms such as Apple, Google, Ghana, Geo7, Spotify, and others. Our topic for the day is Medusa, the winged Gorgon. Gorgons are said to be three sisters who are the children of the ancient marine deities Forces or Forcus and his sister. Seto or Keto. These three Gorgon sisters were called Medusa, Stenel, and Uriel. Forcus and Keto were tonic monsters from the archaic world. Their genealogy is shared with other sisters, the Gree, as in Eustelius' Prometheus Bound, which places both trinities of sisters far off on Kistana's dreadful plain. It says, I quote, Near them, the sisters three, the Gorgons, winged with snakes for hair, hatred of mortal men. While ancient Greek vast painters and relief covers imagined Medusa and her sisters as having some really monstrous form. But there are people, you know, who have been identifying these as beautiful as well as terrifying because basically in an ode written to Medusa in 490 BCE, Pindar, he speaks of a fair-cheeked Medusa that can be found as noted down by Marjorie J. Milne in discussing a red-figured vase in the style of Polygnotos that is from the 450 to 30 BCE in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Milne said, I quote, it is one of the earliest illustrations of the story to show the Gorgon not as hideous monster but as a beautiful woman. Art in this respect lagged behind poetry. This is also from his book that said Perseus and Medusa on an Attic vase, the Metropolitan Museum of Art Bulletin, New Series, January 1946, pages 126 to 130. Whatever it is, whether they're beautiful or maybe horrible, Roman poet Publius Ovidius Nasso, he wrote Metamorphosis, and in the book, he told us about a late version of the Medusa myth, where he said that Medusa was originally a very beautiful woman, you know? She was a beautiful maiden who had all the qualities of being attractive as well as splendid in terms of wealth and in terms of beauty. But when the Greek god of the waters, Poseidon, he had a sexual intercourse with Medusa in Minerva's temple. Minerva is Athena. Athena is the Greek name and Minerva is the Roman one. So they had this intercourse in the temple of Athena, was the goddess of wisdom and war. Athena punished Medusa. Now, Athena, being the daughter of Zeus, she could not really punish her uncle, who was Poseidon, the god of the seas, because Poseidon was one of the holy trinity of the Greek religion, the Greek contemporary religion, because he was the brother of Zeus and of Hades. The other two were respectively the god of thunder and the skies, and the Hades, or Pluto, was the god of the underworld. So Athena she could only punish the Gorgon Medusa. So what she did was, she transformed her beautiful flaxen hair into terrifying snakes 
or maybe you know uh, in terrifying monstrous snakes as we know it today as told by various mythologists mostly they come to one majority view where it is said that she was later beheaded by the Roman or uh, the Greek hero Perseus I call him Roman and Greek since the story is same in both the myths Perseus it goes on like this the Perseus was sent to fetch her head by King Polyctetus of Seriphus because Polyctetus wanted to marry Perseus' mother. Now the gods, who were well aware of this, gave help to Perseus. He received a mirror shield from Athena, gold-winged sandals from Hermes, a sword from Hephaestus, and Hades' helm of invisibility. Now since Medusa was the only one of the three Gorgons who is immortal, which means who can be killed, Perseus was able to slay her while looking at the reflection from the mirrored shield he received from Athena. During that time, Medusa was already pregnant by Poseidon. Hence when Perseus behaved her, Pegasus, a winged horse, and Chrysor, a giant wielding a golden sword, this sprang from a body. Pegasus is a very legendary horse in Greece, where they call him like a person who's got two wings. Bellerophon used this later, and this horse was used by Bellerophon after the uh, war, where they went on a voyage with the Argonauts. This journey is noted down in the famed work Argonautica. Scholar Jane Ellen Harrison argues and says that, I quote, Medusa's potency only begins when her head is severed and that potency resides on the head. She is, in a word, a mask with a body later appended. The basis of the Gorgonian is a cultist object, a ritual mask misunderstood. She considers this to be a mask actually and Medusa to be a normal or a mortal. But in the Odyssey, Homer, he does not specifically mention about anyone who's called the Gorgon Medusa. He says, lest my daring Persephone the dread from Hades should send up an awful monster's grisly head. Harrison translates this too. The Gorgon was made out of the terror, not the terror out of the Gorgon. According to Ovidius Nasso, in his book Metamorphosis, he says that in Northwest Africa, especially in Ethiopia, Perseus the hero, he flew past the Titan Atlas, who stood holding the sky aloft and transformed him into stone when he tried to attack him. In a similar manner, the corals of the Red Sea were said to have been formed of Medusa's blood spilled onto seaweed when Perseus let down the petrifying head beside the shore during its short stay in Ethiopia, where he saved and waited his future wife, the lovely princess Andromeda, who was the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. Furthermore, it is said, the poisonous vipers in the Sahara, as has been said in the Argonautica, in Ovid's Metamorphosis, and in Lucan's Pharsalia, they were said to have grown from split crop bloods 
that have come out of Medusa's cut hair. It says that the blood of Medusa also spawned the Amphisbena, which is a horned dragon-like creature with a snake-headed tail. What Perseus did was then he flew away to Seriphos. Seriphos is the city where his mother was being forced into marriage with the king, Polydectus, who was turned into stone by Medusa's head. So basically, he had attached that head, the cut head of Medusa that could transform anyone into stone. And he kept it on his shield so that Polydectus gets transformed into stone as soon as he sees the head. Then Perseus, as a reverence for Athena, the goddess, gave the Gorgon's head to her, who placed it on her shield, which is called the Aegis. Now, there are various modern interpretations of the story. Uh, there is a classy historical story that says it has been based on a reconstructed from an event in the past or a sublimated memory of an actual invasion. Joseph Campbell quotes, the legend of Perseus behaving Medusa means specifically that the Hellenes overran the goddess's chief shrines and stripped her priestess of their gorgon masks. The latter, being apotropic, faces want to frighten away the profane. That is to say, they occurred in the early 13th century BC, an actual historic rupture, a sort of sociological trauma which has been registered in this myth. Much is what Freud terms the latent content of neurosis is registered in the manifest content of a dream, registered yet hidden, registered in the unconscious yet unknown or misconstructed by the conscious mind. There has also been a psychoanalysis. There's a book called Das Medusen Hall or Medusa's Head by the famous psychologist Sigmund Freud in 1940s where he says, to decipitate is to castrate. The terror of Medusa is thus a terror of castration that is linked to the sight of something. Numerous analyzers have made us familiar with the occasion for this. It occurs when a boy who has hitherto been unwilling to believe the threat of castration catches sight of the female genitals, probably those of an adult, surrounded by hair and essentially those of his mother. In this perspective, the ravishingly beautiful Medusa is the mother remembered in innocence before the mythic truth of castration dawns on the subject. Classic Medusa, in contrast, is a libidinous symptom. Looking at the forbidden mother in her hair-covered genitals, so to speak, stiffens the subject in illicit desire and freezes him in terror of the father's retribution, there are no recorded instances of Medusa turning a woman to stone. This is why he has propounded this theory. Archetypical literary criticism continues to find psychoanalysis useful. Both Selig analyzes Medusa's punishment from the aspect of the crime of having been raped rather than having willingly consented in Athena's temple as an outcome of the goddess's unresolved conflicts with her own father, Zeus. There is a painting of Medusa by Arno Bocklane, where she is shown to be extremely beautiful, with the snakes curled up around her. This painting was done around 
1878 AD. There have often been feministic ideals and reassessments with the term Medusa. The term Medusa itself is often used in ways not directly connected to the mythological figure but to suggest the Gorgon's abilities to connot male violence. Despite origins of beauty, the name in common came to mean a monster. There's a book that says, the book is titled Female Rage Unlocking Its Secrets, Claiming Its Path by Mary Valences and Annie Devaney that notes, when we asked what women what female rage looks like to them, it was always Medusa, the snaky-haired monster of myth who came to mind. In one interview after another, we were told that Medusa is the most horrific woman in the world. Though none of the women we interviewed could remember the details of the myth. Whatever it has been, Medusa has sometimes appeared in representing notions of scientific determinism and nihilism, especially in contrast with romantic idealism. In this interpretation of Medusa, attempts to avoid looking into her eyes represent avoiding the ostensibly depressing reality that the universe is meaningless. Jack London, one of the most famous authors uses Medusa in this way in his novel The Mutiny of the Elsinore. He says, I cannot help remembering a remark of these Cesaris. It was over the wine in Mokins, said he. The profoundest instinct in man is to wage war against the truth, that is, against the real. He shuns facts from his infancy. His life is a perpetual evasion. Miracle, chimera, and tomorrow keep him alive. He lives on fiction and myth. It is that lie that makes him free. Animals alone are given the privilege of lifting the veil of Isis. Men dare not. The animal, awake, has no fictional escape from the real because he has no imagination. Man, awake, is compelled to seek a perpetual escape into hope, belief, fable, art, God, socialism, immortality, alcohol, love, from Medusa, truth, he makes an appeal to Maya Lee. Medusa has also been the symbol of various flags and emblems that include the municipal coat of arms of the Dohalis village, Raditz Kralov district, the Zetsch Republic the flag of the Sicily and the ceremonial French military uniform belt of World War I, due to her being considered very powerful as represented in the painting by Caravaggio in 1595 entitled Medusa. Thank you for listening to Cosmographia episode 7. Cosmographia, the Greco-Romans, the Egyptians and us is a podcast streamed fortnightly through various worldwide distribution networks like Apple, Ghana, GeoSavan, Google, Spotify and so on. We hope you enjoyed this show and do subscribe and rate it if you did. Thank you.